first reading can be found on page 1177 of the Bibles and is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13. That's Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is found in Revelation. It's on page 1242, and it's taken from chapter 7, sorry, chapter 12, starting at verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. This is the word of the Lord. Cast care aside, lean on thy guide. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as we think about the spiritual battle, we will know that we have in the Lord Jesus the most wonderful guide who will see us not just through this life, but all the way to heaven. And in his name we pray. Amen. Do please be seated. Well, what a great day, especially if you're part of the Afalami family and troop of friends. Uh, Bim and Hetty, I think it's Hetty out with a crash, I think. I guess this will be one of the, the memorable days of your family's history. You won't forget this one, though I imagine Samuel probably will quite quickly. But it's a beautiful sunny day, uh, surrounded by family and friends for a special family occasion, a memorable service. And then we have this reading from Revelation chapter 12 about war in heaven and the dragon hurled down and defeated. And if you're a visitor today, you could be forgiven for expecting a reading 
about Jesus and little children or about the good shepherd who loves his sheep or something like that, something much more palatable and comfortable. But no, we have this mildly bizarre reading from the book of Revelation about war in heaven, about Michael and the dragon and the defeat of Satan. Regulars at St. Michael's will know that we're working our way through this book of Revelation and um, well done for staying with us for so long. We've got today and we finish the whole series next Sunday. So uh, stay with us for just a, another couple of talks. It is a book that many have avoided over the years, perhaps because they find it slightly impenetrable. Equally, it's a book for whom, for some people, it has a particular interest and they spend a disproportionate amount of time trying to interpret it. One way or another, this series of talks in Revelation is an attempt to make some sort of sense of this challenging book and to be able to see how our ordinary lives fit into God's cosmic plan. And whilst it might seem to put something of a dampener on what is otherwise a very happy day for a baptism party to have a sermon on war in heaven, yet I put it to you that the defeat of evil and the ultimate victory of God must be very good news. The strapline that I've been using for these talks and the recurring theme through the book of Revelation is this. Life is tough. Thank you very much. I'm I'm glad one or two have remembered it. The strapline is, life is tough, but the lamb wins. If you want to sum up the book of Revelation in seven words, that's it. The lamb, of course, is Jesus, as we'll see, as we see in this particular passage. Jesus, the lamb of God, sacrificed for us on the cross. Life is tough, but the lamb wins. And if you're a more visual learner, I know some people find it easier to see images than to read words, you might find my visual aid for this morning helpful. Just look at the east window behind me. We are, of course, St. Michael's Church, and at the top of the stained glass window is an image of Jesus seated on the throne in heaven. You'll see him there holding an orb, a symbol of power, surrounded by angels and archangels. But below Jesus, you'll see the figure of Michael, because this is St. Michael's church. Michael, of course, is the archangel. We read about him in the book of Daniel and here in Revelation, chapter 12. And you'll notice, if you look carefully, that at Daniel's feet is a dragon, chained and slain. And that is really what we're thinking about today. The ultimate defeat of evil. The victory of Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain for us. But in doing so, he doesn't just die for our sins. He defeats evil and the devil himself. Now this may all seem slightly surreal, but this passage in the heart of Revelation is about a fierce battle and a magnificent victory. And I'm just going to look briefly at four quick questions. Why believe in the devil in the first place? What does the devil do? What will happen to him? 
and how do I face up to him? So first, why, why believe in the devil at all? And as we think about the battle with evil, we may think about the, perhaps the evil of terrorism on a global stage. Newspapers often use terms like an evil regime to describe a brutal dictator on the national stage. Or headlines scream, lock up evil mum who killed her kids on a local stage. Or, if we're really honest, we may identify with the phrase used by the great Christian writer of the 20th century, Malcolm Muggeridge, when he talked about the deep, dark dungeon of my own ego. Interestingly, let's just reflect for a moment on the last 40 minutes or so of this service. We began with a confession where we said to God, we have done evil in your sight. We then prayed the Lord's Prayer where we asked God to deliver us from evil. Such familiar words. It's amazing how easy it is to say them without really thinking about it. Parents and godparents were asked, do you reject the devil and all rebellion against God? And you said, confidently, I reject them. Do you renounce the deceit and corruption of evil? I renounce them. And the first thing that we all exhorted baby Samuel to do after he was baptized was to fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil. And remain faithful to Christ to the end of your life. Now all these phrases here we, we recognize so little Samuel or anyone who calls themselves a Christian is actually in for a spiritual battle. And whether it's the, the wicked world out there, especially the world implacably opposed to Jesus Christ, or whether it's the wickedness of my heart here, the deep, dark dungeon of my own ego, Christians are engaged in a battle. It's spiritual warfare. We're up against the devil and his evil schemes, as we read in Ephesians chapter 6. And we're called to stand firm in the evil day. Now, the most important reason for believing in the devil and the reality of the spiritual battle is because that's what the Bible teaches. Throughout the Bible, from the beginning of Genesis, where the devil tempts the woman in the garden, right through here to Revelation at the end, the ultimate destruction of the devil. Right through the Bible, the devil is taken seriously as a personalized force of evil intent on destroying God's people. Jesus himself believed in the devil and took him seriously. Remember his temptations in the wilderness and indeed all the biblical writers likewise address the devil and the problem of evil seriously. But common sense also points us to the existence of a devil how else do we explain these evil regimes? How else do we explain institutional torture and violence, serial killers, horrific rapes, the abuse of children, terrorism? You may know this 
piece of doggerel. Some say the devil's been, some say the devil's gone. But simple people like you and me would like to know, who carries the business on? The teaching of the Bible and 2,000 years of Christianity tell us that the devil is real and active and powerful, but ultimately defeated. So let's look, secondly, at who is the devil and what does he do? Well, here we need to look at Revelation chapter 12. So if you haven't got it open in front of you, you might like to do so. Page 1,242. And the first thing that we notice is that there is a war going on. Remember the ARP warden in Dad's army? His great cries, don't you know there's a war on? And perhaps, perhaps that's how we might address this passage here. And indeed, it's an A description of the Christian life. Don't you know there's a war on? Chapter 12, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So the devil, that is the dragon, is wholeheartedly opposed to God and his angels and all that is good. The second thing we notice is in verse 9, and his four names or titles, the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan, are one and the same. And notice his purpose in verse 9 is to lead the whole world astray. Beginning with Eve in the Garden of Eden, where he said, did God really say, don't eat the fruit? Right up today, up to today, where we're tempted to think, does God really have my best interests at heart? Is God good? Surely what he says in his word is, is something for people back in that day, not for me today. That's his full-time job, the devil, to lead the world astray. And when he's not doing that, see in verse 10, he's accusing Christians before God. He's a supergrass. He goes to God and he says, God, have you heard what Tim Mullins did the other day? And he calls himself a vicar. God, look what Charles did. God, you'll never guess what Bim was thinking. Or what Lucy said to her neighbor. And the accuser accuses God's people, do you see, day and night. He never stops. He's a supergrass. He's a terrible sneak. He's that really annoying little kid in the class who was with us, who'd always go to the teacher and say, Miss... And we often can feel that we are useless Christians. And it's the devil saying, yes, of course, you are useless. And his accusations wonderfully fall on deaf ears. Look at chapter 11, verse, uh, the first part of chapter 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They, that is the Christians, overcame the devil. How come? They're so weak, so frail. I don't know about you, I sometimes feel incredibly weak as a Christian. But we have overcome the, uh, the, the devil by the blood of the Lamb. That is the shed blood of Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus died? His last words were, it is finished. 
And if you remember, it's a cry of victory. It's not, I am finished, it's all over, it's a terrible defeat. It is finished. The job is done. The price is paid. Sin has been dealt with. Everything we've ever done wrong, the worst sin ever committed by the worst sinner, paid for by Jesus when he died on the cross. So when the little sneak goes to God and says, you'll never guess what he's done this time, or he's done it again, you know that same old thing? He's done it again. And here's a new thing. You thought that was bad. What about this one? God says, it's all been paid for by my son's death on the cross. The devil has been overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the death of Jesus, dying for your sins and for my sins. And when we put our trust in Jesus Christ and his death for us, the lamb who was slain, we are forgiven fully and freely. And when the devil, that supergrass, accuses us, we can just say, buzz off, Satan. I've been fully and freely forgiven. Finished. And that is our testimony. Not that I'm a wonderful Christian, or I've been trying really hard, or I hope God accepts me because I've been going at it for so long, and gosh, if he doesn't accept me, who is he going to accept? No, not at all. God accepts us because of our testimony to the shed blood of Jesus on the cross for you and for me. It is finished. The task is completed. The job is done. So who is the devil? What does he do? Well, he's the serpent who leads the world astray. He's always trying to trip us up. And he's the supergrass, the sneak, who tries in vain to accuse us before God. Third question, what will happen to him? Well, actually, the question should be, what has happened to him? Because most, verses, most verbs in this cosmic battle between Michael and the devil are actually in the past tense. Do you see this? Verse 7, there was war. Verse 8, the devil and his angels lost in the past, defeated. Verse 9, the dragon was hurled down in the past, The end of verse 10, the accuser has been hurled down. Verse 11, he has been overcome. Verse 12, he has gone down. In this great cosmic battle with the devil, we're talking about a defeated enemy. In Colossians chapter 2, we read that the devil and all his powers and authorities were defeated by Jesus who triumphed over them by the cross. So the cross of Jesus, as well as being the place where our sins were paid for, is also the place where the devil was defeated. He has been overcome. He has, to use these words, gone down. But of course, we're still painfully aware of his activity. We still live in a world full of evil. And we say, how come if he's been defeated? Look at chapter 12, uh, verse 12. The last part of that verse says, he is filled, this is the devil, is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. 
Yes, the devil is defeated, but he's still lashing out, as it were, in his death throes. Let me give you a familiar example that I was kind of raised on. You may have heard this before, but I find this helpful. It's the distinction between D-Day and V-E-Day. On D-Day, the Allies invaded France. And from the 6th of June, 1944 onwards, victory was assured. Of course, fierce battles raged for many months. But it was only a matter of time before final victory, VE Day. Funnily enough, the 8th of May, 1945. It is as if Christians are living between D-Day and VE Day. The, the time when victory was assured by the death of Jesus on the cross and before VE Day, the final absolute victory that great and glorious day when Jesus will return and the final death throes of the devil will be over forever. Do you see verse 12? His time is short. The time is running out for the devil. The battles may be fierce. Our world may seem full of evil. It is. We may feel sorely oppressed. We do. But the devil is a defeated enemy. He has gone down. Christ is triumphant. So our final question, how therefore do I face up to him? A few quick points to to finish with. First, we must be on our guard. Peter says to his readers, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If we think that we're beyond temptation or we've outgrown sin, then we're seriously deluded. The devil is prowling around looking to devour us. So first, we must be on our guard. Secondly, give no opportunity to the devil, as Paul says to the Ephesians. When the devil comes knocking on the door of the house of our lives, we don't say to him, well, you can just come into the hall, but no further. Because you know what's going to happen, don't you? You let him into the hall, and then he says, um, can I just see, uh, watch the telly? I'll watch it with you. Or can I come into your study, and we'll go on the internet together? Or he says, um, what about the bedroom? And suddenly we've let him in the hall, and he's all over the house, like a rash. Give no opportunity to the devil. Send him packing. Paul says to the Ephesians, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Do you remember Jesus tempted by the devil in the wilderness? Every time the devil tempted him, he replied, it is written, it is written, it is written, quoting the Bible back at him and eventually just saying, be gone, Satan. Using the Bible, reminding us what is right and what is wrong. That's why we read this book to help us to give no opportunity to the devil. Third, and finally, remember, we're on the winning side. Sometimes when we read these verses, we think the battle is fierce. I do feel weak. And when the devil accuses me before God, I think he's got a point. But look at the conclusion in verse 12. 
Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Because, in verses 10 and 11, the devil has been hurled down. He's been overcome. Brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian today, you are on the winning team. And it's great to be on a winning team. Even if you don't follow football, you must have heard about Leicester City. Last Tuesday, Leicester City became Premier League champions. Nothing for the rest of this season, which isn't very long, nothing can prevent them being Premier League champions 2016. But when they won that title, they still had two games left. Two hard-fought battles. One was yesterday, and they conceded a goal, and they were up against it for for a while. It'll be exhausting, these last two games. But they are the winning team. And nothing can take that victory away from them. Because of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, and because of his glorious resurrection, Christians are on the winning team. Nowhere on earth are Christians more under the cosh at the moment than Syria. Brutalized by ISIS, churches demolished, homes torched, family members murdered, many of them understandably fleeing the country. Wonderfully and amazingly, many Christians staying, Christian pastors to look after their flock. It would be very tempting for them to think we're on the losing side. Just listen to this statement from one Christian in Aleppo. Even while mothers carry their children's dead bodies through the streets of Aleppo, we rejoice. The truth is that Jesus has risen. Isn't that a fantastic testimony? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Look at our stained glass window one more time. Remember who's defeated? Life is tough. I was hoping you'd say it with me. Life is tough, but the Lamb wins. We're on the winning side, so let's rejoice. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that we can say with Christians down the centuries that we have overcome because of your death on the cross for us and because of your glorious resurrection. We do pray that in the battles of this life, whether it's battles within our own weakness or battles from without, we pray that we would know the victory that is ours because you have won the victory for us. Please strengthen us. Please help us to resist the devil and all his attacks. We pray this for little Samuel today, and we pray it for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.